And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer. Patrick Lyons. And on this episode of the podcast, we are diving deep into the Colorado Rockies bullpen, past, present, and future, talking about what has worked, what has decidedly not worked, uh, and what maybe we think could potentially work in the future. But of course, if we had all of the answers to those questions, uh, well, we would probably be making those decisions for somebody somewhere. But you never know. We'll see what we can come up with here on this one, uh, Patrick, of course, I I wrote an article that was published over the weekend and uh, ruffled some feathers, as it were, though I think, quite frankly, 90% of the people whose feathers were ruffled by the article, they, they weren't ruffled by the article, they were ruffled by the headline. Um, I really saw almost nobody take issue with what was in the piece, but we're going to dive into it because I think there's a lot of stuff that was interesting there. A lot of stuff that I learned. I had mentioned that last week that I discovered while putting this together and then hopefully branch it out to an even deeper conversation about what the Rockies can do. I I saw a poll today from, you know, a different site out there. One I used to write for that, you know, oftentimes the, the folks over there disagree vehemently with, Things like what I wrote over the weekend, but still overwhelmingly in their poll of what the Rockies should focus on this offseason was bullpen. So let's break it down. Precisely right. You know, the the headline may have been deceiving, but if you actually read the article, it kind of touches on the fact that, you know, fans still want a really good bullpen. And, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be boiling it down too simply like this, but had... Jeff Breidich and the Colorado Rockies not signed Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, and Jake McGee. Who would they have signed or who should they have signed? And what did those guys end up doing? It, it's just unfortunate that, you know, uh, maybe they got unlucky with the three guys that were the best ones available to them in the free agent market that 2017 uh, 18 offseason. Um, or maybe it's just more along the lines of, you know what, they have yet as an organization to solve, you know, the bullpen problem and and pitching at Coors Field. And maybe it's one they really aren't going to solve. So what can they then do about it if if going after free agent relievers isn't the solution? That I think is kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, the the crux of the conversation. Not actually, no, Wade Davis was phenomenal for two years. (laughs) Ryan Shaw was underrated and Jake McGee, you know, was he really that bad? I mean, come on. I mean, was he though? But was right. he? But right. was he? That's right. an awful headline. Um, but that's not what the headline was, and that's most certainly not what your article was about. Yeah, I I think the big thing for me is that whenever something becomes kind of a, a, a narrative with with a big label, and we all can understand the Super Bowl pen, and uh, it was something that was talked about at the time as a positive. A lot of people were saying the Colorado Rockies have done this thing. They've gone out and signed these guys who have all been excellent elsewhere. They've been building their bullpen steadily. And so they were thought they, most people thought they were going to be very good. Then when it turned out not to be that, of course, the term became ironic and it it became sort of targeted, right? And now it's become specifically about those three players that you mentioned. One of the things that I wanted to do in the article was separate the term super bullpen from those 
three specific players because, first of all, the Colorado Rockies carry an eight-man pen. <laughs> and second of all, there were a lot of guys who were brought in during this period who I think can we can learn a lot from. Guys like Mike Dunn, guys like Greg Holland, who get a little bit lost in the shuffle when we talk about where the Rockies have spent their resources in the bullpen and the guys that haven't worked out. Mike Dunn in particular is a name that I think tends to get totally lost when you look at somebody who actually was able to come in, give them immediate value, pitch a ton of innings in 2017, and perhaps most importantly, do it for the less money, the type of contract that you and I have talked about the Rockies signing instead of these Sean McGee Davis type of deals. That has to be those mid-range guys that you end up targeting. And, you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And, you know, with, with Mike Dunn, while, you know, he certainly, you know, flamed out, you know, quicker than, than they would have liked, what was a little bit easier about it was now, I mean, granted, I think they were still paying him $7 million, but that was really the first inkling of Colorado as an organization, at least in, in some time that I can remember, kind of just tapping out on a guy and saying, actually, you know what? We'll pay you to not be on this roster because we've got other options that are available. You know, in the past, again, and this happens with a lot of, you know, mid to small market teams where they sign a guy and go, look, we just have to keep him around, you know, for, for whatever reason. I mean, you see with the Baltimore Orioles, they're still doing it with Chris Davis when, you know, he's been worth negative wins above replacement. And, you know, granted, you know, their farm system is still on the upswing and they're, they're still rebuilding, but it's going to get to a point where you say, you know what, even if you give a quadruple A guy an opportunity there in Baltimore, maybe you, you catch lightning in a bottle and, and don't go with the veteran. In fact, had they used that strategy two years ago, they would still have Mike Ustremski, who came up with the Baltimore organization. Right. But they didn't want to, you know, try him out at, at first base, not necessarily sure that he would be a fit there. But, you know, if Chris Davis is your DH, you have room for one less quadruple A guy, one room for one less corner infielder, outfielder. They let Mikey Stremski go, and we've seen how fantastic he's been with San Francisco. So when you hold on to those guys and you kind of compound the error, you really make it worse. And, you know, credit to Colorado for kind of cutting ties with Dunn in 2019 so early when they had, you know, some other options, those options may not have worked out, but the fact that they had those options, they said, you know what, it's not, it's not uh, playing out right now for Mike Dunn. So we will pay him to go away because you know what, if we have to pay this contract regardless, you know what, we might as well give the playing time to someone who's younger and maybe is more pro projectable and that's what it's really about is the roster space is, is doing that. And so if you can have yeah, a guy that on, ended up being Jairo Diaz. Um, yeah. There you know, you go. So, so it worked out good. short term, you know, obviously he had a very rough 2020, but he's young and got a live arm and at his cost is somebody you of course would much rather have on your roster than Mike Dunn or, or, you know, any other of these, the guys was also kind of fun remembering go, Oh, fun is an interesting word for it. Remembering the soft, attempt at the launch before we go well why don't they just get a couple of veteran guys but not go all the way out there and do it and remember jason mott and chad qualls that came right before the the three-man super bowl pen and i'll tell you this the colorado rockies got way way less out of jason mott and chad qualls than they did out of jake mcgee and wade davis now, brian shaw you throw that totally aside. That's one of those ones. So, so as you talked about, one of the lines that actually had somebody, uh, Chris, if you're listening, uh, that you know often disagrees with a lot of what I have to say, but read the piece and said, you know, this part in particular stuck out to me, and it was when I talked exactly what you just said. You know, these contracts. If the reason, as said, acquiring these players essentially was not the problem. The problem was once they started to pitch terribly, continuing to run them out there. And if the reason they continued to run them out there is because they were making too much money that they couldn't afford to cut them, then you can't afford to sign those type of contracts anymore, right? And, and I think that that's a lesson that needs to be taken away from this. But there is a difficult balance here. It's You look at Jake McGee and Wade Davis, and that's where I particularly got into it. And it's like they did get one great year out of each of those players. 
uh, war and dollar per war is not evenly spread ac across three years, and it's not evenly spread across three players. Jake McGee put up a 140 ERA plus in 2017. He was tied with Greg Holland for being the Rockies' second best, second and third best relievers behind Chris Russon, another guy who we totally forget about was kind of a linchpin in the super bullpen and him fa totally falling apart. There's no explanation for, right? He didn't come in from outside like Brian Sean. You go, Oh, the, the scouting, like how did the Rockies mess up Chris Russon when he had two years running been their best reliever and was still, you know, he's in his late twenties and he's sort of refound it a little bit elsewhere, but it's like the, some of these, these questions here is like, how did this even happen the answer isn't necessarily will just go smaller because as you said earlier you know, if the rockies shaw you got to throw that totally out you separate him from the equation if the rockies hadn't brought in jake mcgee and wade davis that'll make the postseason in 2017 or 2018 or to put it another way if they don't bring in two players who are equally as good as those two guys were in 17 and 18 they don't get to the postseason my question is, how much do the Rockies have to pay for that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if there was a number, they would they would almost have to do that, right? Because you need a, a competent bullpen. No matter what the price is, you'd have to figure a way around it's, it. I think it's one of the, the reasons why Jeff Breidich, you know, when, when he took over the role as, as general manager um, in October, or excuse me, November of, of 2014 was say, well, you know what? Starting pitching is really, really expensive. And we've got some, you know, good young offensive players and Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman. And we're going to want to keep those guys around. So, you know what, let's build a starting rotation from within. And in doing so um, besides that's just a, a great strategy in general, having guys that you know can can deal with being tough and pitching at Coors Field and they kind of know what's ahead of them, you're also saving a lot of money on the books, right? You're, you're paying them league minimum for a few years uh, before they're into arbitration and whatnot. So And arbitration is decided by like raw ERA, which is never going to look awesome at Coors Field. So <laughs> Right. So you know what? They, they yeah. deal in those parameters, which allows you to spend more on the bullpen. But again, yep. how much do you spend on the bullpen to make it work? Because $106 million wasn't enough. You know, Wade Davis was – Going into that offseason, the 2017-18 offseason, he was uh, deemed by MLB Trade Rumors, which is a, another great site uh, to turn you guys on to, uh, as the eighth best free agent uh, in that class. And again, this is a class of guys. You talk about what you get for your money you know, uh, in free agency. That was a class that was you know, headed by Hugh Darvish, uh, J.D. Martinez, Eric Hosmer, Jake Arrieta, guys that are really good. But you look at those contracts now and you go – Actually, man, none of those deals really worked out. Darvish has, you know, picked it up a, a step this year. Boston wants to get uh, Martinez off the books. Hosmer's contract doesn't look great. They're winning right now, so you go, hey, we're paying him to be a leader. But yeah, Jake Arrieta is now back uh, in the free agent pool again after yep. a short three three year deal that I don't think ultimately worked out too well in yeah. Philadelphia. Didn't really pitch like the ace uh, that he was in Chicago. So, you know. Davis was ultimately the guy, and he, and he did give them that one year. Um, but again, what is that price that you have to pay? And I think that's where, you know, going back to the conversations we've had about, you know, making trades and looking at how different teams have, you know, structured their roster and uh, my, my piece about how Houston and Tampa did what they were able to do and how half, literally half of Tampa's ALCS roster was acquired via trade. You could say the same thing about a lot of the guys on the Dodgers roster. And if you can't go out and spend money and, and guarantee you're going to at least have an average bullpen, then you need to figure out a different way. And it has to be through trade. And okay, well then, if you're going to trade well, then you need to have some prospects to be able to do that. Okay, well then, if you're going to have the top, you know, if you need to have those prospects, well, then you need to draft and develop really well and and, and again, it, it be, it's, it's a game of chess that you got to figure out. And it's just a shame that after 28 years, the Rockies haven't figured it out. But it's also equally a shame that they can't just simply solve the problem by throwing money at it. Whereas the other 29 teams, frankly, 
can. They, yeah. They've all been able to <laughs> go out there and spend that money, and they get burned, but they also get rewarded uh, a lot of the time, right? And I think it's very disproportionate of what Colorado has to deal with. Yeah, you know, one of the things I pointed out in the article was the drop off for Brian Shaw. And look, man, you, you, people, I know there are a lot of people who say, I was in the crowd who believed that Brian Shaw was declining or maybe not the best fit for Coors Field. And whatever the absolute best good faith arguments were at the time, and there were good faith arguments at the time against Brian Shaw becoming a Colorado Rocky, none of them explain a 60% drop off in production that's not a natural aging curve that's not he's dropping off a little bit that's not you know that's that's a guy who could not figure out Coors Field and we don't know if that's because he physically didn't have the right pitches if his body didn't respond to altitude if mentally he couldn't respond to the way his stuff moved if he wasn't a good enough adjustment maker we don't necessarily know what it was but it's important that the Rockies find out what it was and continue to to gather this data because as you said Patrick as you laid out there one of the areas where they do seem to have had success both recently and and really over their history is trading for relievers in both of course we all know in 17 and 18 when they were in a position to add <coughs> Jeff Breidich went out and got Pat Neshek and Sonwan O and both of them pitched very well, like just came in and pitched well. It's it's really bizarre that free agents don't seem to do this. And there's a number of guys who've come in as free agents and like pitched well in their third year. We talked about Boone Logan in the article. Davis flipped it, did his first year was good and then was terrible thereafter. Um, but Sonwano and Pat Neshek coming in right away and just balling out. Uh, you know, you think back in the day that trade to bring in Houston Street and he was phenomenal for the Colorado Rockies. And so it, it really is interesting that so many of these free agent moves have burned them and so many of the trades have worked out. And now, you know, we're very early in, in the Michael Gibbons situation as well. He only pitched in, in a handful of games for the Rockies and did not look great. So he may end up being the, the counter example to, you know, just trade for him instead of sign him. But still, when you've got like, two-thirds success stories in your trade acquisitions and one-third success stories in your free agent signings, maybe you should shift your focus accordingly. Yeah, and, you know, they they tried making some moves to get some young relievers. You know, Joe Harvey and Philip Deal, unfortunately, haven't worked out for Colorado. But, again, you know, on the flip side, they went and they, they traded away Jerry Vasto for – uh, Drew Butera there in 2018, and we actually haven't heard from Jerry Vasto since then. So I think there's, it's easy to 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 get rid of those those young relievers and 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 to acquire them, but there's a reason why their team is is so willing, uh, you know, to make those moves. But when you acquire the the big league guys, it can pay out. In fact, if you really go through the history of the Rockies, there's like mind-boggling numbers out there from some players who you know, came out of obscurity or basically was just hey, thrown to the wolves, you know, almost literally say, Hey, we're going to throw you to the wolves. You're, you're now a relief pitcher for the Colorado Rockies right. and guys like, you know, Jose Jimenez go out and have a huge year. Gabe white was another one of those guys right. that went out, had a huge year. And again, you see, you know, the best reliever of, of all time in Rockies history is a guy that nobody has heard of outside of Colorado. In fact, a lot of Rockies fans don't know. Oh, Steve Reed is, Right, unequivocally the the best reliever in franchise history. He left, and then he ended up even coming back in his mid thirties, and still was incredibly effective. So right. it's uh it's just this it's quite the conundrum that they've got. But you know, ultimately they they just need to be able to be flexible and 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 make those moves because that, that's you know, the word. That's the word. They they have to be able to be more flexible. This rigidity around Sean yeah. Davis when they were imploding before our eyes and McGee, it, it 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 can't happen. And even and even if you say, well, they shouldn't have acquired Michael Gibbons. They just shouldn't have because they they should have been realist more realistic about their chances of of making the playoffs. That's fine. But again, it was you need to be flexible enough to do that. Um, Tyler Nevin, who was a guy that. 
you know, I had actually heard whispers within the organization that he wasn't going to be on the, the 40 man roster, uh, the previous November, which was shocking to me. I thought he was a lock, but mm -hmm. I, I had heard again, some whispers that maybe not. So, okay. Uh, Rockies move on for him. Taron Vavra is the one I I'm, I'm a little bit more, you know, worried about. I was a big Vavra fan, but they get givens for another year this year, right? It's that flexibility that allowed them to say, okay, Mott and uh, Chad Qualls, goodbye, right? They they did nothing for their last year of a contract, but in 2017, what happened? Oh, you know, they went to their first, you know, postseason in eight years because they were able to have that flexibility and say, you know what? Or And it's not even the flexibility to make those moves because I think every team has that. It's really the willingness to be flexible. It's totally. the willingness to make those moves to improve your roster or even to just give your roster a different shape and say, look, if you're not getting it done, we're going to cut you loose. And that could be a black mark on your, on your, you know, resume, if you will. Um, you know, it, it just might not look really good. Another team might not pick you up given uh, certain circumstances. So, you know, you, you definitely want to be effective, but bottom line is if the Rockies can have that, you know, willingness to be flexible, they're going to be better really at any position, but ultimately in the bullpen, it is an absolute must going forward. Yeah. One of the things that blew my mind, uh, that was kind of the inciting incident behind writing this article. It was, it was sort of like when I found the DJ LeMahieu has hit 16 opposite field home runs in New York while having hit seven in the seven seasons before in Colorado, right? There was a similar stat in this one. And what it was for me was that in 2016, the Colorado Rockies actually had a very strong offense and very good starting pitching. In fact, both of those above the average of where they're at throughout their history, but their bullpen was an absolute wreck of a disaster. Now, I remembered that because I remembered covering the season. I remembered being the only person in the clubhouse who had any idea who this kid Carlos Estevez was because he hadn't even pitched in AAA. He had been literally, and I, this is in the piece, not in AA, a year before becoming the Rockies closer in high a Modesto less than a year before becoming a major league closer because Mott and Qualls were falling apart. Walt Weiss had nobody to turn to uh, Jake McGee was hurt. Uh, that was his first year uh, on the team after being traded for. And so Carlos Estevez, and he secured his first, I think 11 yeah. saves before uh, totally imploding in a middle part of the season where that 2016 year got away from him. And you go back and you look at it in terms of now other bullpens may have had like worse ERAs or, or ERA pluses in team history. I, I didn't go through every single number on that. And it really depends on like, that's hard to calculate. It depends on how many relievers you count. Some guys will throw like nine innings and stuff. You, you got to figure out where to cut it off. But what I found was number of guys who were just above average relievers. There were only three in that 2016 Rockies bullpen. And that's tied for the worst mark in, in franchise history two other times their bullpens have been that bereft of above average pitchers and in the following season in 2017 after the signing of mike dunn and greg holland moves that allowed them flexibility but also two guys who pitched well in 2017 this this really did blow my mind the rockies had more above average relief pitchers than they've ever had at any other time in their history and so, so it's funny to me because I think if you were to ask the average well-informed Rockies fan, what is Jeff Breidich's biggest mistakes? You know, what, what are the things he's really messed up? I think the vast majority of you would tell it he's been horrible at the bullpen. He keeps bringing in these terrible relievers, but it is kind of amazing to me that between that year and that year, some of it may have been luck. Some of it was Chris Russin becoming incredible stuff like that. But, uh, to your point about flexibility, and I think about Daniel Bard when I look back at that Greg Holland contract where he was getting paid like $4 million, but there were enough incentives that by the end of the year, I think he ended up taking home like 12 or 13 because it was, you know, close certain number of games. Uh, when uh, I think being an all-star was one of them and he was an all-star, that's, that's a pretty common incentive. So it was just an incentive laden contract and he hit every single one of them. And you think about, you know, all right, Daniel Bard, you've been out of baseball for five, six years. Then you came back, you look great, but are we really going to invest any that much? Why don't we do this? Not too many years, you know, like Greg Holland, one year, 
but it could be worth a lot of money if you end up having to be our closer and it turns out you're for legit and can can go this way and then it doesn't prevent the rockies from maybe going and getting another reliever or if it turns out that it was 60 games flash in the pan nice story daniel bard is going to turn into who brian shaw and jake mcgee turned into then you can cut ties with them and you have every incentive to do so these are the kinds of contracts this team needs to be signing yeah it has to just be be short term absolutely and and you know again you mentioned chris russin again a guy that they picked up off of waivers adam Adovino, well, again great all-time reliever and one of the greatest all-time seasons by a reliever was a waiver wire pickup so tyler kinley this year was very solid uh similar situation there with that so you can find those guys and great you know potential but you're not married to them right it, it gives you that flexibility absolutely and and we've seen a lot of those moves as i said with with joe harvey and philip deal we've seen a lot of those moves for colorado where they've got their eye on these players and they say man really attractive if they become available we'll go ahead and scoop them up and maybe work on mechanics a little bit with you know steve foster darren holmes in the past and and you kind of understand why because again they just keep getting burnt by those deals and Again, as we said, with the Mott and Qualls deal, the Rockies were very aware that, hey, this might not work out for the long term. And again, that long term was two years. Each of those guys got two-year right. deals, one for, right. for 10, one for six mil, and probably only wanted them for one year. And I think they got their money's worth for that one year. And unfortunately, to get the guys, you have to overpay, sometimes annually or sometimes Give them that extra year at that money. It's just it's just a tax they have to pay. So Breidich and, and the front office were absolutely aware that, look, if you want these guys for two years, you need to give them a third year. And so he went out and he got best closer that was available that offseason, um, went and got the, the fourth and fifth best reliever uh, available that offseason. And they're really the only ones uh, ahead of them on that, that depth chart if you were ranking it. In that 17-18 offseason would have been Brandon Morrow, uh, who kind of was a right. seemed like he might have been a, a closer in the waiting and never fully developed, did pitch well with Chicago for the for two years. And Juan Nicasio, who again the, the Rockies had little to no interest in. Um, and he didn't didn't end up getting the money that he wanted to. So again, the Rockies got aggressive, um, maybe a little more aggressive than than they should have. But even if they would have gotten Davis Shaw and McGee for a little bit less annually they still would have had to promise the third year they would have they would have saved a little bit of money and i'm just not all that convinced that that money would have made that much of a difference in 19 and 20. so right. again, that, yeah that what was else third. would they have could they have done and, and i want to pose this question it's in the piece and this was i think my my big takeaway from it was this if the rockies had paid half as much money to three guys who came in and, and were above average for three years, solid relief pitchers, and were getting paid less than what they were worth. So we would all sit there and go, good value signings, right? I believe, and, and, and it's very difficult to prove this because, you know, lots of things change and butterfly effect and all that stuff. But I firmly believe that what you would end up with is a 2019 Colorado Rockies who are slightly less frustrating but still don't come close to making the postseason and a 2020 Rockies who were slightly less frustrating, but still there, you know, cause there were so few games, maybe it would have mattered a bit more, but in 2017 and 2018, you've replaced your second, your, your primary setup man with an okay reliever. And again, in 2017, that team had a bunch of okay relievers, uh, Scott Oberg, Adam Adovino, all these guys graded out at like a one Oh three that year. They needed Holland, Russin, McGee. Year two, Davis with his franchise mark, 43 saves. You take those guys off and replace them with above average pitchers who are getting paid fairly. I don't think those teams make the postseason. And I don't know what the answer to that question is. Like, I don't know what the, the solution to that problem is because it is a massive overpay. And I don't feel like, you should therefore dive back into that exact same concept. But saying, well, spend less and bring in guys who are just solid for you, 
I don't think that gets the trick done. I, I don't think it does either. And, you know, it, it again, not, not to, to harp on this point, but when you look at the guys that were available that off season, and, and frankly, if you look at guys in the, the off season before or after it, it really is a crapshoot. But so if you're going out there and targeting the best players, it's hard to really argue and say, ah, yeah, but that was, that was a bad move, especially when it works out as well as it did, as you said, setting the franchise mark in his first season in, in 2018 for Wade Davis, you know, and I find it interesting that if you go back and look on, you know, what the scuttlebutt was that off season and you say, well, what teams were attached to Wade Davis? What teams were attached to Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, and the top three teams for all of those guys, Houston was sought out to be the top guy to go after Wade Davis. They didn't get him, so they went and got Roberto Osuna in a trade later on. Boston was looking to go after Brian Shaw that offseason, and the Chicago Cubs were looking to target Jake McGee. So when you talk about... You know, again, yes, they've got money, but hey, oh, everything they touch, these teams turns into gold, and they're the smartest organizations out there in the world, and we get it. But it's it's easy to have this bias now with you know 2020 vision, no pun intended, sure. uh-huh. to go back and look and just say, hey, yeah, those guys suck, man. What what were the, what was the front office doing? No one was no one was complaining back when they made those moves in December of 2017 because. Those are three of the best guys that were out on the market and with a team that had just made the postseason in 2017 and Todd Helton having said, I had heard him on numerous, yeah, numerous you know, radio stations and uh, a podcast and, and, and national shows saying, you know, I've always thought that if Colorado could just get a really good bullpen, they would be fine. And, and I think that is that's almost true for of any year even even some of those years where you know they barely just got 70 wins in you throw them a good bullpen you say all right well that could possibly make up for for 8 to 10 wins right there well again in season that totally changes your mindset if you go look hey we just we've got so many more opportunities we've got nine more outs we're down right now in the 7th this game is not lost let's keep grinding away much like the Blake Street Bombers felt like they they were able to do because they had that support in the bullpen. So again, what would you have liked for the Rockies front office to have done? It sucked. It's painful because there is no, there is no right answer. And that's maybe the most frustrating part is it's nice and easy to point a finger and go, it's this guy's fault. And Hey, there's going to be times in which we do point the finger at Jeff Bridich in the front office and ownership and fans. You have, you have every right to, to make those claims as well. But sometimes when you dig a little bit deeper, at least in, you know, very specific situations like this one here that Drew has, you know, elaborated upon, you have to end up walking away going, well, damn, there, it was just an imperfect situation. Yeah. And I, and the thing that, that blows me away, because as you talked about it there, the other thing I, I noted is if the Rockies have four above average starting pitchers, Four above average relievers, they make the postseason. So far, every single time that's happened, and when you slip below that four in the bullpen, especially, really seems to be a magic number. You look at these years where they had three above average relievers, and those are your 68 win Rockies teams, almost in a one to one ratio. Uh, you know, you get your your four quality relievers, you could be anywhere from a 70. Uh, to an, the the 2000 team is the only team that had a great bullpen and they had a really good offense, but their starting pitching was so terrible uh, that they were sunk. I mean, they, they won 82 games and Todd Helton nearly hit uh, 400 and should have been MVP that year. And they had a great bullpen, six above average relievers, but only two above average starting pitchers. And so, that's that to me appears to be you got to get four above average starting pitchers, four above average relievers, and then no matter how bad the Rockies offense is, and there are times it's been terrible, um, they'll get they'll be drugged into the postseason by that that pitching, and so that's why you go got to go back out and tackle again. Let's talk for a minute about uh, well, I, we've kind of gone through that, so so why don't I go ahead and pay some bills here? 
mentioned that WGT Golf is super fun, super popular, and super free. I don't think you can be super free, but free is free, and you got to love anything that you can download on your phone or your laptop at no cost to you that can provide you with hours upon hours of entertainment. It's a whole lot of fun, whether you're super into golf, you just like wasting a little bit of time while you're waiting in line at the bank or whatever it is that you got to do. I find it to be actually relaxing once, I, except for when we're having a major, in which case I find it to be competitive and intense and stressful, right? <laughs> all of those things. But either way, it's just a lot of fun. You can play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world famous golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Beth Page, Black St. Andrews, and more. We've got DNVR clubhouse community stuff for you so you can come and talk some trash to your fellow dnvr members including all of us here on staff challenge us to a game it's a whole lot of fun and i think i mentioned before it's also totally free at dnvrgolf.com and if golf is a little slow for you if you want a little more action well then we've got you covered too because rugby is about to be at its epicenter here in Colorado and Infinity Park in Glendale, the new home of the men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. This is the place to be for rugby. You will tell your children and your grandchildren that you were there when the new most popular sport in the United States of America finally took hold here. Uh, it, it's a great game. Uh, it's much easier to learn and understand and pick up than I thought it was going to be just by basically watching through one. Uh, you throw on the DNVR rugby podcast with Colton Strickler while you're watching a game, you'll be set by the end of it. You'll have 80% of it down. And then, you know, it'll, every once in a while, some, it'll be, it's like in baseball when somebody box and you have to turn to, you know, and explain that to somebody like there's weird rules, like in every sport, but I'll tell you, you don't even have to understand the rules to have fun with rugby, man. It, it's such an exhilaration sport. Yeah, I, I think what Colton's doing over there is is fantastic. It's really revolutionizing kind of alternative sports, if you will. Normally, we think about skateboarding and and skiing and snowboarding, right. you know, the X Games type stuff. But man, it, you know, as as people are looking for different ways to be different and and trying out um some of these you know different sports and stuff out there you begin to see like hey you know what the world we live in really is one neighborhood and rugby is a world sport and man it's it's growing in a major way and it's really cool to see that happening right here in the front lines of colorado it's so cool yeah. and it's such a beautiful uh, park too i almost right. called it a ballpark but it's ball not park. A, i mean i guess it is but yeah they rugby play is a ball it's a ball right if it's long if a football is a ball then a rugby is a ball so there you go. I'm going to say it's, it's elongated. But yeah, check them out, man. The DNVR rugby fam doing a, a great deal of fun. I know I'm going to be out there catching some games uh, when I can, when it makes sense to do so. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Patrick, uh, I was, I was going to say let, we, we could talk a little bit more about what the Rockies should target in the bullpen. But I feel like in our conversation there, we've we've laid it out more or less, right? The, they need to be after guys that – allow them some flexibility that have that upside. They, they've got to be trying to repeat both, you know, the, sort of the Greg Holland lightning in a bottle type of thing with, with Daniel Bard type of situation, but also the Mike Dunn, you know, let that guy be your horse for a year. And as soon as he starts to fall apart, well, you've only got him for that second year. That's Michael Givens, right? If he, if he starts out slow next year, you've got to say, look, we gave up a couple of prospects, but we're not invest that invested in this guy. He's out. Whoever else we've brought in, whoever is a young guy who's pitching well, right? Maybe it's Ryan Rollis in time. Who knows? But I, I think right that without getting into specific names, and I think we'll we'll save that for a future podcast where we really go into what is this guy worth? What would the contract look like? Um, we'll do that at every position. We've got time, folks. It's a long off season. <laughs> but but right, is there any is there any other like particular characteristic? I think the one thing we've danced around but not used the word like the you got to find the mental strength guy, right? Like to, you've you've got to have the advanced scouts who can go and learn a little bit about the person and know at least have some kind of hint that if they come to Coors Field and their first time out, 
Like Tyler, I'm very impressed the way Tyler Kinley, for example, responded. Remember that game against the Diamondbacks? That happened. Yeah. You, you, you walk the bases loaded. David Peralta hits a double in the gap. The next guy runs into one, and you are dead. Your ERA sucks. Your whole th- your season is ruined in, in about 20 minutes. Can you pick yourself up and go back out there the next time we need you? And he had some nails performances. I, I need those guys, right? Yeah. Colorado needs to go out without getting into names. And and they need they need at least three relievers, right? Who are those guys? What do they look like? Well, I can say this. At least two of them need to be bona fide veteran guys. And maybe you could get a little creative and, and have a guy that, you know, uh, was waived for, for arbitration purposes because he was set to maybe make three and a half million dollars. So, all right, you know, he still has a good five years plus experience as a big leaguer. So you can get creative with one of those two guys. You can get a third guy. Yeah. Yeah. The third guy is like, like Tyler Kinley, who again, you know, had uh, about two years of, of prior experience. Uh, and then still, you know, another fourth where you say, Hey, maybe we can pick somebody off waivers like a Jose Mojica type guy. Um, again, just to really build up that depth because next season, again, we don't know what 2021 is going to look like. In fact, I, I almost tend to think it's not going to be another 162 game season. Uh, MLB lost a lot of money. Teams yeah. lost a lot. And, you know, because we're not going to be able to have full capacity at stadiums for some time, each time there's a game at Coors Field or at any of the other 30 ballparks in North America, teams are going to be losing money. So the way you can, you know, fix that problem is by having less games. games. That being said, it'll still be a long season. It'll still be a slog. And, you know, Rockies were able to kind of get away with the fact that they were a little shorthanded in the bullpen, running some guys out there that I don't think they would have in previous seasons. I don't think they had the depth in uh, their alternate site. But then again, they didn't necessarily need it because it was such a short season. Now, even if it is a, you know, 120, right, that's double. That's seems, double yeah. what we saw. But if right. it's anywhere from 120 to 162, you now need to make sure you've got those AAA, quadruple A guys that can go and at least be competent to eat up some innings. So really it needs to be about four relievers, two veteran types, one guy that has a little bit of major league experience, about two years, uh, and still a, a fourth guy that's that's out there. you know. And I think that's going to create a lot of really good competition and allow them to make the best move possible, especially considering that Daniel Bard should be returning. Yancy Almonte, you like what you saw to him. Tyler Kinley, we've all mentioned those three guys. Carlos Estevez, you you can't forget what you saw, and not only in 2016, but in 2018 and, and even in 2019. Uh, and Jairo Diaz, you say, hey, if, if, if all goes well in spring training, we'll give you a shot. And I mean, those those are some you know promising guys in that bullpen that you could look towards and say, all right, hey, we've got a little bit of competition and you know, we, we can make the best decision going forward. Not the best decision that we have to make right now, but the best one that's going to impact our club for the entirety of the 2021 season. Yeah. Uh, while the innocent, we are going to get into specific names, uh, like I said, in the future. But since you threw one out there, a Colorado boy, Mark Melanson, wanting to know how has he done at Coors in his sample size. Uh, unfortunately, if you were uh, actually not great. I got here, uh, unless I'm missing this. Yeah, I think he's got a six ERA in 12 innings. He's given up eight runs on 11 hits. But he does have 17 strikeouts. Uh, His OPS at Coors Field is uh, about 740, which is good. Oh, there so again, you go. He's breaking. So there's different numbers. Yeah. Well, no, I meant, I meant his OPS against uh, is, is 740, which is pretty good. You know, lower okay, strikeouts yeah. to walk. But, you know, you, you like that. Now, granted. So might, yeah. Granted, you know, he, he has pitched a lot of his career in the National League. He was, in fact, he was with Houston when they were still in the NL at the, at the beginning of the, of, the, of the 2010s decade. Um, but again, was a closer for Pittsburgh for a while. He was lights out. The dude's got a, a, a fantastic – his career yeah. ERA is right around three, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 12 innings is, is nothing. And again, that, that's one of those things we get carried away with. And, and I do because I make such a big deal of making Coors Field a part of the conversation. You've got to. But, but you can't know – uh, uh, 12 innings of 
uh, like Patrick's stats are probably better though. Remember, yeah, I know two of those runs were Nolan Arenado walk off cycle. Um, you know, yeah. so that's uh, on, on a fastball that was like three inches inside off the plate where Melanson's going, come on, dude, whatever, get out of here. Um, so yeah, I, I would not be, I would not balk at the idea of bringing in Melanson for the right deal no based on a, a six ERA at Coors Field. Not at all. Um, I actually and- think cutter sinker mix is a really good idea. Um, yeah, I've always liked the idea of Melanson at Coors and you may be able to get him for, uh, cheaper now despite his his career numbers because he's had he's been a little bit worse lately and he's had some health issues which again may be a red flag for a Coors guy but I like yeah. I like the concept the conceptually I like yeah it. and and for any of those that folks that that don't know he is a, a Colorado product you know went to, to high school at, at Golden at Golden High School there and uh, in fact last year in, in 2019 I was able to, to go into the Giants clubhouse uh, and talk with Melanson. So there's a there's an article last year. If you're a subscriber, go back check that out where he talked about pitching in Colorado and um, you know and how there were maybe some potential opportunities for him to come uh, and and pitch with the Rockies organization in the past. So you know there's definitely the the tires have been kicked. So I think you know the Rockies as as every team should. You leave the door open for those guys, but when the guy grew up right there in your backyard and is coming down to the the end of his career, wants to make an impact, wants to play for you know his hometown team and and play with the Colorado kid Kyle Freeland, you know that I think that that increases the likelihood of something like that. So it would be it would be really interesting, Mark Melanson. Uh, when we get to our our you know off season rundown of all of the different guys that are available out there and who we think could become available if they're not given arbitration. Mark Melanson will feature very high on that list for me. Yeah. You know, we should, uh, we should give our friend Ed Henderson a call and see if he'll come on and tell us some Mark Melanson stories. Great idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he scouted him and, and seen him, seen him many times and, and, and his kitchen table well. when he was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Go Bears, I think. Gold. Uh, sorry, I don't know. Golden. Sorry, I, I. I think. I forgot what they were. I want to say oh, no. tiger lions. An animal. Lion. Lions, tigers, or bears. Oh, oh my. And on that note, <laughs> uh, I. I think we'll wrap up here with a little bit of talk. Of course, Patrick. There is still baseball going on out there oh. in the world. Korean uh, baseball organization. <laughs> That's right. Now in South Korea. Oh wait, what? What were you I'm thinking? Your KBO talk. Um, what were you thinking about? Uh, of course, the World Series matchup has been set. It mm. will be the Tampa Bay Rays against the Los Angeles Dodgers. A valiant effort from the Atlanta Braves. Um, I could not help but note the irony of all the time we spend talking about analytics and all that stuff that, and, and we have to, and, and, and traditional stuff and guys that hit and guys that pitch and guys that play defense and Atlanta season is ruined on some terrible base running. Well, it, <laughs> I think it was, you can make the case it was ruined by, you know, lack of, of clutch hitting because game five was a big turnaround. Sure. Right. turnaround right, point, right. I think, um, you know, you, Atlanta was up, 3-1, not 3-0 like Tampa, but still 3-1. And they had a, had a chance to kind of put Walker Bueller away with, with the bases loaded. And Bueller came out and, and, and struck out the next three batters and, you know, was, was, it, was impressive and, and let L.A. off the hook, basically. And it's it's amazing to, to, to think that L.A. is going back to, to the World Series for the third time in four years when – they were down, you know, the, the way they were with, with Kershaw getting knocked around there a little bit in, in game four and just seemed like, okay, we got a, we got a new group of young and exciting pitchers in Atlanta and man, here's LA doing it again. Kike Hernandez, I believe is how you pronounce his name. That's right. And, uh, and Clay, uh, Clay Bellinger, call him by his father. I didn't Clay know Bell- his yeah, father. There you go. Clay. The Yankees. But right. Cody Bellinger. Is that his? Yeah. Staring wistfully in the sky, just contemplating. I love that that new meme. Yeah, I've yet, I've yet to try it out. I've yet to try it out. I'm I'm saving it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to pick your spots. It'll be it'll be a little cliche at that point, but that that's okay. It's uh, yeah, man. L.A. 
I think deserves to be back. It's great to think that we were now. I know you know you were you're rooting for uh, Atlanta, or, or you just thought that man, this team was right there on the cusp. I gotta uh, say, for a dark horse pick, they would have been fine. Yeah, they would have been fine to see them in the World Series. I I kind of didn't want to see LA because they were the best team in the National League, but a- Atlanta would have been fine. But it it would have been really disappointing for Houston to be there for so many reasons. Number one, just being they were the sixth seed that. When right. Tampa had Maybe actually two being that they were the sixth seed. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I just think it is being overlooked in all of the talk about the cheating. Cause of course we're all rooting against the Astros because they cheated, but you're right. This other thing, maybe for the integrity of baseball moving yes. forward is a bigger deal. Like I'm over that. Like, yeah, I get it. That's, <laughs> that's always going to be part of the story. You know what I mean? It's like, Right. Anything with Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, like, yeah, no, we know what those guys did, but let's get to like the root of it. Let's not, you know, just totally forget everything uh, and just say, oh, yeah, but they cheated. Oh, oh, hold on. We're we're talking about one specific thing. And that specific thing is the fact that they were, you know, a six seed. And it's like, oh, man, at the point in which Tampa had gone up 3 0, they were one game under 500. I think they're 36 and 37. Right. If you include the regular season and the postseason. Right. So this is a team that's, 500 it's so it, that that would have been really gross yeah um so it's it's nice tampa got the job done la you know love it or hate it maybe it's maybe it'll be more painful for them uh should they lose the world series I there you gotta lose think? In the world series if you don't get there that's right that's right so I, man this is gonna be this was the matchup that i think baseball fans wanted to see and not to say that rockies fans aren't baseball fans but a lot of times when you're a fan of a certain team, you're a Rockies fan first and you're a baseball fan second. And and I, and I get that. And, I, and sometimes I'm that way too. Uh, I can get like that. But if you're just, if you've got, if you got no dog in the fight, you're going, Tampa had the best record. Man, that team's exciting. No, I can't name anybody on the roster. LA, man, they're the best team. Yes, I can name all their superstars that they've they bought right. and traded for with with all their you capital. Know who they are. Those are the two teams you wanted to see in it. And I think again, baseball fans, we want more baseball fans. We want our game to grow because it's dying. It's kind of scary to 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 think of it in those parameters. And you know what? If you want to sell the game and you won't really want it to be at its best, you want the two best teams, the two most exciting teams, and We've got that for the 2020 World Series with the Rays against the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't have any particular predictions for anybody out there with these Dodgers. It's it's always that that same thing. It's it, I feel like I've given this exact same analysis about the Dodgers three series in a row now, but <laughs> they're the better team. And if they don't mess it up, they'll win but we saw how close like they really almost royally messed up that series with the braves right and uh you know clayton kershaw's issues are starting to show again and uh, you know i i liked your prediction which can still stand by the way now because your prediction wasn't necessarily was good you didn't say he's gonna have a great game in the nlcs you said he's gonna shake it off he's gonna have a great world series game at some point so if he does that maybe he finally gets the monkey off his back maybe they finally do win it and maybe It'll even be kind of cool for Rockies fans to be able to say we're the only team that beat the Los Angeles Dodgers in the entirety of a season. The only ones who took a series from them from beginning all the way through the championship. Plus, you get to throw an asterisk at them for their world championship. And if they don't get one in the next three or four years, you every season you get to come back to the fact that their only championship came in this weird year. And it just... There are all kinds of silver linings for the Dodgers finally pulling this one out here. So it, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. All of that having been said, go Rays. For a long time, Yankees fans at Yankee Stadium loved chanting at the Boston Red Sox 1918 because, because of the curse of the Bambino. For a long time, until 2004, that was it. So it was just 1918. Like there's there's bigger spirits you know at work and i think hey all right dodgers win the world series this year yeah you got asterisks you got you got the, the whole whole uh ordeal with that you can go all right 1988 so you got two you got two ways to respond you go yeah asterisk you know what i mean quest for the asterisk 60 game season 
1988. That's it. You just say 1988. And then, oh. and then they might get it right away. They go, wait, what does that mean? That we won the World Series in 2020? Oh, the last one that it actually counted. You yeah. So. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw does start game one there. Uh, we'll see what happens with his back. He's going against uh, Tyler Glass now. So the fact that he is going game one means he's going to have two starts. Could also mean we see him in game seven, a almost Madison Bumgarner-esque performance. I mean, he's already going to the Hall of Fame, but now can he you know, put himself in some of the, that rarefied air of, of Sandy Koufax, what he was able to do in the postseason? Maybe. That was, that was, what, that was my prediction uh, back in late September. We'll see. Uh, if that does happen, but it's going to be, it's the world series. It's great. It's a wonderful time, you know, to watch baseball, uh, to be thankful for it, uh, to say goodbye and, and to get ready for another season. Yeah, absolutely. So drink it all in, enjoy the baseball. Uh, and, uh, cause yeah, we all know it's a long, cold winter once it goes away. And like Patrick said, you know, and I, I was on TDSP last week and they were talking the NBA and NHL guys were, you know, because they're deeper into that conversation now. And they were saying, you know, we're probably not going to get back out there till maybe around March. And the leagues are really thinking January, but our DNVR guys are thinking probably March. But either way, that's later than those seasons typically start. Right. And I, and I think the baseball conversation hasn't really started yet. People are I think a lot of people are just kind of assuming that spring training will be at the normal time and we'll kick it off and late March, early April. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that's a given. I don't think that's a guarantee. Uh, as you said earlier, and you laid out all the reasons why. So take it in. I know, I know you don't love the Dodgers right. out there, buddy, but root real hard for the Rays then. Uh, especially those of you who, you know, believe this is uh, the path the Rockies should be taking, or that this is the path that, you know, teams should be emulating in order to achieve success because they do it without, uh, the big high payroll, or even if you just like rooting for the team that's got the 29th payroll against the team that's got the second, or are they first? They, them and the Yankees keep going They're back. Right there. We'll put the Yankees over the top, I think. So if, you, if you're the city of Montreal, who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for Tampa <laughs> oh, Bay? No. Right? Are you rooting for Tampa Bay? Cause you're like, whoa, that would be cool. We got all these great players that are going to play in Montreal or, are you thinking like, well, no, if they win, like the city of Tampa might go and really support them. This, the project in Ybor city might yeah, get off the ground. They no, get a new stadium. No. Now, now we're going to be screwed. So, you know, if you're Montreal, you may have to root for the Dodgers. That's and there's so a link. There's a link. The Montreal Royals were a minor league affiliate of right. at the time, the Brooklyn Dodgers. In fact, that's where uh, Jackie Robinson made his uh, professional uh, well, he was a professional in the Negro Leagues, but that's where he made his debut is with the Montreal Royals. So there are there are a lot of connections there with, between the two. I don't I don't know what they're who they're rooting for up there. They're rooting uh, for Mike Brasso because he's got a French sounding name. I was gonna say so maybe that's who, uh, their answer. who's got the most Canadians. <laughs> they tend to love their Canadians. Is Larry Walker playing? He Russell Martin no longer a Dodger. So mm, they just yeah. missed that. They just yeah, missed that one. Happen. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Hang out with us over the next couple of days. We'll be watching baseball. We'll be chatting about it. Uh, we'll also be taking you through more Colorado Rockies off season priorities, discussions, talking points, uh, running through our rocks and rolls series. There's going to be a lot more of those articles coming out this week. So make sure that you are subscribed to the DNVR.com. So you know who we think remains on the Rockies roster and who's going to be rolling on up out of here uh you also got to follow us on social media at drew creaseman at patrick d Lyons at dnvr underscore rockies that way you don't miss out on any of the fun stuff that we're doing out there and when you subscribe to the dnvr.com you get shirts hats and mask discounts it's fantastic we got all kinds of cool stuff you can swing on by the dnvr bar you get a much bigger beer when you do that if you're a member just a lot of fun things that come along with hanging out with us. We appreciate whenever you all do join us. Remember, we are live at 4.05 p.m. Monday through Friday on Facebook and Periscope. On Wednesday, we are also live on YouTube for the DFA show. AJ Hayfley be joining me for that one this week. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Be talking about World Series memories from years past and uh, just Talking baseball with AJ, it's always fun to do. So 
Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons, Andrew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com